Hey there, Forever Fab listeners. This is Dr. Shirley. I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you so very much for all of your support and for listening to the Forever Fab podcast. 2023 was yet another epic year for so many reasons. But regarding the Forever Fab podcast, we've reached new heights and acquired new listeners and just continuing to make the world a better place. And thanks to you, you've been helping along. So thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the good word and for sharing the love. Today's episode of the Forever Fab podcast will feature highlights from the most listened to, most downloaded episode from 2023. Thank you again and enjoy. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. The title of today's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab is, Is It Fake or Real? Part 1, AI and Beauty. The topic of AI is an interesting one and sometimes hotly debated. For something that's without emotion, AI can actually be an emotional discussion for some people. I'm fascinated by the possibilities that AI may bring to humanity, but I'm also cautious and concerned about the potential minimization of what is already beautiful in humanity. So let's take a dive. Not so deep, though. (laughs) Let's take a dive into AI and how, how it affects some of my favorite topics, beauty, fashion, and wellness. In this first of a three-part mini-series of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast, I'll talk about how AI may influence who we are and how we live our lives vis-a-vis the three pillars of the Forever Fab podcast, fashion, the art of living well or wellness, and beauty. Welcome to part one, AI and beauty. What is AI? Well, it stands for artificial intelligence. And what is artificial intelligence? Well, a number of definitions are offered based on my research on the internet, without ChatGPT, by the way. McKinsey states that, quote, artificial intelligence is a machine's ability to perform the cognitive functions we usually associate with the human mind, end quote. Actually, AI has been around since the 1950s. It was initially proposed as an academic principle, but not much happened with it back then. And in the years and decades since, there's been renewed interest and enthusiasm about AI, leading to rapid advancements in the field. 
According to Wikipedia, quote, AI applications include advanced web search engines such as Google Search, recommendation systems used by YouTube, Amazon, and Netflix, understanding human speech such as Siri and Alexa, self-driving cars, example, Waymo, generative or creative tools like ChatGPT and AI art, automated decision-making, and competing at the highest level in strategic game systems such as chess. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Why do we even have AI? Well, the goals of machine learning are intended to improve human life. And currently, they're doing so by assisting with problem solving, knowledge acquisition, overall learning, language processing, and general intelligence. But how does the technology do what it actually does? There are a number of tools, and those tools underlie how AI works and are described on Wikipedia as the following. Search and optimization, logic, probability, economics, classification, statistics, artificial or computerized neural networks, and that's a term derived from our brains, neural networks, deep learning or multiple layers of learning, specialized language specific to AI, and specialized hardware capable of handling high, the high energy of operating AI and managing high-volume AI cloud. So it's a lot. The HubSpot HubSpot blog adds that, quote, AI works by combining large data sets with intuitive processing algorithms. AI can manipulate these algorithms by learning behavior patterns within the data set. So it's important to understand that AI is not just one algorithm. Instead, it's an entire machine learning system that can solve problems and suggest outcomes, end quote. Yowza. HubSpot also states that AI works with the following sort of processes. Input, processing, data outcomes, adjustments, assessments. Now, if you want to incorporate AI into your own workflow, the same blog recommends these steps. Number one, define the problem, right? So these are the steps for how to create a basic AI system for yourself or your workflow or your company. So number one, define the problem. Number two, define the outcomes. Number three, organize the data sets. Number four, pick the right technology. And number five, test it, simulate it, and solve it. So behind all these steps, by the way, is a human being or groups of human beings. So that's something to remember. According to Wikipedia, quote, when a technique reaches mainstream use, it's no longer considered artificial intelligence. This phenomenon is described as the AI effect. AI applications were at the heart of the most commercially successful areas of computing and have become a ubiquitous feature of daily life. AI is used in search engines such as Google search, targeting online advertisements, recommendation systems, driving internet traffic, um, targeted advertising, virtual assistants, autonomous vehicles, automatic language translations such as Microsoft Translator, Translator and Google Translate, which I use, 
facial recognition, such as Apple's Face ID and Microsoft's Deep Face. Um, what else? Image labeling um, used by Facebook and TikTok, spam filtering, and chatbots, such as ChatGPT, the ever-popular chatbot. There are also thousands of successful AI applications used to solve problems for specific industries or institutions, such as energy storage, deep fakes, medical diagnosis, military logistics, foreign policy, supply chain management, and gaming, end quote. So AI is, in fact, already pervasive. It's already everywhere. So how does AI fit in with beauty? Well, AI and also VR, or virtual reality, have become essential for beauty retail. There's a demand for personalized products and services, so these technologies offer the ability to deliver such experiences and products. The beauty and cosmetics market uses this advanced technology for a number of things. And according to beautypackaging.com, it's used for product creation and as an additional platform for consumer communication, promotion, and sales. It's also used as an analytical tool for creating a more personalized shopping experience and inventory management, end quote. Now, Psychology Today Online adds that, quote, AI algorithms can analyze facial features and skin conditions to provide personalized beauty recommendations such as skincare routines and makeup shades or hairstyles. This customized approach aims to cater to individual preferences and enhance the concept of beauty tailored to each person's unique characteristics, end quote. Now, perfectcorp.com states that, quote, artificial intelligence and augmented reality, or AR, these beauty technologies, technologies are reimagining the way consumers connect with beauty brands and providing a valuable utility to brands and retailers looking to enhance their online customer experience, end quote. So far, these innovations in beauty include virtual try-ons, personalized makeup tutorials, personalized hair care and skin care and makeup product recommendations, skin analysis, identifying facial features such as your facial, brow, lip, and nose shapes, product development, personalized product recommendations, and more. These are, however, already in place. And unfortunately, the flip side of AI and AR and VR is that there are real concerns about them, and some of which I share. They're not unfounded, and they're numerous. And at least according on Wikipedia, some of these challenges are described as technological unemployment. Will machines take over our jobs? Bad actors and weaponized AI, meaning can governments and individuals use the technology against us or can they use it to suppress and further oppress people? Algorithmic bias. If AI is based on real-world data or particular programmers and, you know, developers, because after all, there are people behind these programs, will the tech be itself limited and biased? Existential risk. Will humans lose control of AI? And then AI just sort of becomes this, its own powerful entity. And copyright. Who owns the copyright on the data outcomes? So those are just five of the challenges as described on Wikipedia. 
As it pertains to beauty, the risks of AI are also discussed in psychologytoday.com. Quote, there is a risk of deepening societal beauty pressures and perpetuating unattainable beauty standards. Additionally, AI-powered beauty filters and editing tools can lead to distorted self-perception and contribute to body dissatisfaction. We can use image editing tools and filters to modify features such as skin texture, facial symmetry, eye color, and body shape, which may reinforce idealized or unrealistic beauty standards. Relying on this technology for social presentation can cause harm, such as body image issues, lower self-esteem, and social anxiety, end quote. That's real. I believe that the integration of AI and beauty is transformative. Nevertheless, the technology should be used ethically, compassionately, realistically, and fairly. How society and the beauty industry manage this imperative has yet to be seen and yet to be experienced. That's my take on AI in beauty. This concludes this episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast. As always, stay beautiful, real, and forever fabulous inside and out. The topic of this week's 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast is, is it fake or real? Part two, AI and fashion. The topic of AI is an interesting and sometimes hotly debated one. For something that is without emotion, AI can be an emotional discussion for some people. I'm fascinated by the possibilities that AI may bring to humanity, but I'm also curious and cautious and frankly concerned about the potential minimization of what is beautiful in humanity. So let's take a dive, not so deep, into AI and how it affects some of my favorite topics, beauty, fashion, and wellness. In this three-part miniseries of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast, I'll talk about how AI may influence who we are and how we live our life vis-a-vis the three pillars of this podcast, fashion, the art of wellness, and beauty. Welcome to part two, AI and fashion. In last week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast, I talked about the power and influence of AI in general and in beauty. Well, in case you missed it, here's a brief review. What is AI? It stands for artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence has been defined a number of ways. McKinsey states that, quote, artificial intelligence is a machine's ability to perform the cognitive functions we usually associate with human minds, end quote. Actually, AI has been around since the 1950s. It was initially proposed as an academic principle, but not much happened with it at that time. In the years and decades since, there has been renewed interest and enthusiasm about AI, leading to rapid advancement in the field. According to Wikipedia, quote, AI applications include advanced web search engines such as Google, recommendation systems used by YouTube, Amazon, and Netflix, understanding human speech such as Siri and Alexa, self-driving cars as Waymo, generative or creative tools such as ChatGPT and AI art, automated decision-making, and competing at the highest level in strategic game systems such as chess, end quote. As it relates to the beauty industry in review, 
AI and also VR or virtual reality have become essential for beauty retail. There is a demand for personalized products and services, so these technologies offer the ability to deliver such experiences and products. According to beautypackaging.com, quote, the beauty and cosmetics market uses this advanced technology for product creation, as well as an additional platform for consumer communication, promotion, and sales. AI is also used as an analytical tool for creating a more personalized shopping experience and inventory management, end quote. Psychology Today Online adds that, quote, AI algorithms can analyze facial features and skin conditions to provide personalized beauty recommendations such as skincare routines, makeup shades, or even hairstyles. And this customized approach aims to cater to individual preferences and enhance the concept of beauty and tailored to each person's unique characteristics. Wow. Perfectcore.com states that, quote, artificial intelligence and augmented reality, or AR, these beauty technologies are reimagining the way consumers connect with beauty brands and provide a valuable utility to brands and retailers looking to enhance their online customer experience, end quote. These innovations include virtual try-ons, personalized makeup tutorials, personalized makeup, hair care, and skin care product recommendations, skin analysis, identification of facial features such as facial brow, lip, and nose shapes, product development, more personalized product recommendations, and more. There are, however, real concerns about AI, some of which I share, that are not unfounded and are described at least on Wikipedia as the following. Technical unemployment, bad actors and weaponized AI, algorithmic bias, existential risk, and copyright. As it pertains to beauty, the risks of AI are discussed in psychologytoday.com as, quote, there is a risk of deepening social and societal beauty pressures and perpetuating unattainable beauty standards. Additionally, AI-powered beauty filters and editing tools can lead to distorted self-perception and contribute to body dissatisfaction. We can use imaging editing tools or image editing tools and filters to modify features such as skin texture, facial symmetry, eye color, and body shape, which may reinforce idealized or unrealistic beauty standards. Relying on this technology for social presentation can cause harm, such as body image issues, lower self-esteem, and social anxiety, end quote. Well, today, to add to that, I'm talking about AI and fashion. Now that you have a basic understanding of what the technology is, let's look at what its potential applications are in the fashion industry. Although not as well integrated into fashion as it is in beauty, there is a lot of interest in using generative or creative AI to enhance the user experience when it comes to buying clothes, shoes, and accessories. According to McKinsey, AI can help propel fashion into the future in a number of ways, quote, merchandising and product development. AI can convert sketches, mood boards, and descriptions into high-fidelity designs. It can enrich product ideation by collaborating with AI agents that generate creative options. It can customize products for individual consumers at scale. Also, supply chain and logistics. AI can support negotiations with suppliers by compiling research. It can augment robotic automation for warehouse operations and inventory management. It can also tailor product return office offers based on individual consumers. In marketing, AI can 
identify, and predict trends to improve targeted marketing from unstructured data. It can automate consumer segmentation at scale to tailor marketing initiatives. It can generate personalized marketing content. It can collaborate with AI agents to accelerate content development and reduce creative blocks. In digital commerce and consumer experience, AI can structure and generate sales descriptions based on past successful sales. It can personalize online consumer journey and offers. It can tailor virtual product try-ons and demos. It can enhance intelligent AI agents and self-service to address advanced consumer inquiries. When it comes to store operations and brick and mortar, AI can optimize store layout planning. It can optimize in-store labor. It can support AR-assisted devices to better inform the workforce. It can organize and support functions. It can coach sales to sustain successful clienting relationships. It can develop individualized training content. And it can enable self-service and automate support tasks. I mean, wow, end quote. (laughs) Now, the Fashion Retail Academy in the UK adds that, quote, AI tools can be used to conduct trend forecasting for elements such as color, fabric, patterns, and cut, as well as analyzing past and future performance indicators. Designers can also use AI to create new product designs, end quote. What's the role of the designer then? How does the designer manage his or her or their natural creative talents and abilities and sort of merge that with machine learning. I don't know. Forbes.com states additional benefits of AI as improved supply chain management and powerful marketing tools. There's even someone behind a TikTok account that is trying to apply fashion content to clear data sets. That'll be interesting. Again, there is much more potential to improve the human relationship to fashion, ironically, through non-human means. But I do see challenges with AI in fashion, and I have some questions that have yet to be answered. Will AI reduce creativity? Will the technology replace the designer? Will the algorithms be standardized and therefore make fashion kind of blah or homogeneous? And will AI eliminate individual style and therefore, to a certain extent, the freedom of choice to choose that style. Now, these are some fairly heady questions. And another one is, will AI in any way help to resolve fashion's sustainability problem? That's huge. What are your thoughts on AI and fashion? Send me your comments on foreverfabpodcast.com. This concludes this episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab Podcast. Tune in next week for part three of the AI mini-series on wellness. And as always, stay beautiful, real, and forever fabulous, inside and out. The title of this week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab is Soul Survivors, How to Get the Most Out of Your Sunscreen. Okay. You're aware that you should apply it every day. You may have even bought it to match your skin tone. You may have tried a number of different brands. You may have tried different ingredients. You may have tried the block versus the screen, but what does sunscreen and SPF really mean? And what's the science behind the sunscreen? 
This week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab uncovers the basics and beyond of the universal coverage product, sunscreen. Admittedly, I, yes, I, Dr. Shirley, am a sun worshiper. J'adore the sun. It's warmth on my skin, the glow of its rays, the feeling of being kissed by its light, the positivity of its energy, its brightness, its aura. Ah, there's so many benefits of sun exposure. Actually, according to goodrx.com, the good things about sunlight are that it provides vitamin D, it strengthens bones, it kills bacteria, it may even reduce high blood pressure, it can help improve sleep, and it definitely boost your mood. The ancient Egyptians reported the benefits of the sun well over 6,000 years ago. And frankly, almost every culture has some kind of fascination or, you know, pays some kind of homage to the sun. In fact, there are a number of sun gods and goddesses. Remember the Egyptian god Ra or the Brazilian Guarasi, the Inuit Melina, the Mayan Akin, the Buddhist Surya, hello, my fellow yogis, the Filipino Chia Chai, the Hindu Tapati, who, by the way, is a goddess. So listen, solar energy is royal energy. It is healthful and it's powerful. So what's not to like? When did sun and sun exposure become a bad thing? <laughs> As it turns out, Though the ancient Egyptians recognized the healthful benefits of the sun, they also did realize that it had harmful effects if exposed to the sun for too long without adequate sort of coverage or protection. In fact, in ancient Greece, the Olympians, you know, when they were training outdoors and doing all the Olympian type things that they did, they actually tried to protect themselves by slathering on olive oil. And during the Middle Ages, European women stayed out of the sun primarily to show that their pallor was associated with wealth. It wasn't until the early 20th century that science made a correlation between the sun and skin cancer. It was then that sunscreen was first developed. Okay, whereas historically societies valued looking pale as a sign of health, and also I dare say as a sign of privilege, this changed in the 20th century when having a tan was perceived as a sign of health. Like if you were glowing, <laughs> you were hot, <laughs> you were healthy, you were fabulous. Nevertheless, to help educate people about the harmful effects of the sun's UV rays, the SPF or sun protection factor rating system was developed in 1974. It's now known, and we've known for quite some time, that both UVA and UVB rays may be problematic. If you plan to spend more than 30 minutes in the sun as it goes, it's advised that you apply sunscreen and reapply it every two hours, especially if you're sweating and if you're in the sun that long. According to Wikipedia, quote, UV is a mutagen and carcinogen for the skin. Acute exposure may lead to a painful sunburn, which can increase the chances of developing serious skin problems later in life. Long-term sunlight exposure is known to be associated with the development of some types of skin cancer, skin aging, immune suppression, eye diseases such as cataracts, and maybe even macular degeneration, end quote. That's from Wikipedia. Spoiler alert. 
You may think that the glow that you get from a bit of sun is healthy or sexy, but according to the EPA or Environmental Protection Agency of the United States, there is no such thing as a, quote, healthy tan because the EPA says, quote, tanning is your body's attempt to protect itself from being damaged by UV or ultraviolet radiation, end quote. Whoa. I mean, honestly, I knew and I know that tanning and the stimulation of the cells called melanocytes that make melanin or pigment in the skin, they definitely get stimulated by the sun. And yes, it's a bit of a protective mechanism, but I really didn't know that it was the body trying to say, wait, no, no sun, no sun, please help me, protect me. I didn't know it was that deep. There are three kinds of UV or ultraviolet radiation, okay? UVA, those are the ones that penetrate the Earth's atmosphere. And, you know, the ozone and the Earth's atmosphere that is slowly dissipating over time, the more that goes away, the more that gets dissipated, the more holes are punched into it, then more of those UV rays are going to penetrate the Earth's atmosphere and hit the Earth's surface and therefore, you know, do some frying. The U.S. EPA adds that, quote, UVA rays cause skin aging and eye damage and can lower your body's ability to fight off illness. UVA rays also contribute to the risk of skin cancer, end quote. Second type of UV rays or ultraviolet radiation, UVB. Now, UVB, the Earth's atmosphere actually helps to shield us or protect us from those UVB rays. Um, but even though there, there's some mild protection there or moderate protection there, those, some of those rays actually do reach the Earth. That's why it's important to have a sunscreen that's effective against both UVA and UVB. The US EPA adds that, quote, UVB rays cause sunburns, skin cancer, skin aging, and snow blindness, which is a sunburn to your cornea, part of your eye, that causes a temporary loss of vision, OMG. And it can lower your body's ability to fight illness, end quote. So again, there's some immune suppression there by those UV rays. I also have to admit, if I spend too much time in the sun, even though, you know, I've got a hat, I've got the physical screens, I've got the sunscreens, blah, blah, blah. I reapply every two hours. After a few hours, like, I'm feeling tired. I'm just feeling like, oh, my gosh, that was that was a lot of work <laughs> lying there <laughs> in the sun, facing the ocean or the sea. That was a lot of work. I wonder if that has to do with, you know, immune suppression. Who knows? Or energy suppression. Who knows? The third type of UV ray is UVC. These rays do not reach the Earth's surface. So there's really, you know not much to be alarmed about with UVC rays, UVC rays, and they don't pose much of a threat today. Okay, now you know the history and the reasoning behind the sun's, sun goddess's powers, right? You understand what UV rays are, which ones come through, which ones don't, which ones you have to be worried about. Well, what can you do to reap the benefits of the sun while protecting yourself from its harmful effects? Well, here are my tips some from my practice, some from, you know, culturally, and a couple smatterings from the interweb. <laughs> no AI, folks, no AI, all me. Okay, so here are my tips for benefiting from the sun, getting the benefits of the sun, reaping the healthful habits, but then, or healthful effects, but then totally protecting yourself from its harmful effects. So limit your sun exposure to 30 minutes or less if possible. And if you are concerned about premature aging or skin aging, when you do go out for that 30 minutes, maybe you just stick your feet out or your arms or your legs and not your face. <laughs> That's what I do. 
Another tip, limit your sun exposure to certain times of the day, right? Avoid when there's peak sun out. So avoid it from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now, this could be variable depending on where you live and what time of year it is. But generally speaking, avoid peak sun for the most part from 10-ish to about 4-ish. Next tip, apply sunscreen daily. Now, I know what I'm about to say is controversial because dermatologists and many doctors recommend that you apply sunscreen every single day. I don't. I don't apply sunscreen when it's dark out, cloudy, raining, storming. I just don't, right? If there is even just a little bit of sun or partly cloudy, then I'll apply sunscreen. But otherwise, dark, cloudy, raining, storming, I'm not putting sunscreen on my face, folks. I, and also, you should reapply every two hours if you are staying out in the sun, and especially if you're active and you're sweating. Okay, next tip. Use a broad-spectrum sunscreen, which basically means that it protects against both UVA and UVB rays. And that sunscreen, that broad-spectrum sunscreen, should be SPF sun protection factor greater than or equal to 30. Greater than or equal to 30. So that SPF 8, not cutting it. That SPF, you know, 15, not cutting it. 30 and up, baby. Use physical sun protection as well, such as a wide-brim hat, sunglasses, long-sleeve shirts, etc. I'm a huge fan of a fabulous hat and definitely a fan of some fabulous sunglasses. So make sure that sunglasses also are actually protective of your eyes. So if you put a pair of sunglasses on and you're still squinting through the sunglasses, those aren't going to work, baby. You got to get some real sunglasses. Be aware of conditions such as sea and snow. The sun may actually be more intense in those environments because the sun rays are, you know, reflecting off of some of those surfaces and bam, you know, out, off of the reflection of the snow or the sea and boom, hitting you in your face. And that actually could be worse. Avoid tanning beds. Those were like such a thing of the past. They've turned out to be not good, not healthy and frankly dangerous. So avoid tanning beds, folks. Okay. Go natural, hit the sun with adequate protection. Another tip, look for active ingredients that are not hormone disruptors. And some of the, some of the better ingredients are zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Now, please note that the EWG or the Environmental Working Group, EWG.org, one of my favorite reference sites, states that the problem with many sunscreen formulations is that they're not tested for, quote, irritation and skin allergies, as well as testing for skin absorption and the potential to cause cancer, disrupt the hormone system and cause harm during reproduction and development, end quote. That's a lot. So this thing that's supposed to help protect you from the, the harmful, damaging effects of the sun can actually do some damage internally by causing hormone disruption and possibly damage to your reproductive system. Like, that's not cute. That's not helpful. So there are a number of ingredients that are culprits. The two that for now seem to be safe are zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. And if you want more information or you want help about how to choose the best sunscreen for you, seriously, check out ewg.org. I use it a lot for a lot of different things, including sunscreen. Next tip, layer up. And sure, you can layer up clothing, but that's not what I mean. I mean, product-wise. I avoid wearing sunscreen alone on my face, not only because the ingredients have been shown to get absorbed into the skin, but also because 
I just apply multi-layer moisturizing ingredients to help buffer the sunscreen absorption and also to help provide an extra layer of care onto my skin. So look for ingredients such as vitamin C and hyaluronic acid to layer under your sunscreen. So you'll have that sort of, you know, moisturization, and then you can put your sunscreen on top. What I'm about to say is also controversial because many dermatologists and physicians will say, put your sun, you know, your moisturizer on first or nothing. Wear sunscreen alone. I don't do that. Or put your moisturizer on first and then your sunscreen. Okay, that makes sense. But sometimes, you know, like I don't have a minute <laughs> and at least I put my moisturizer on my face. But sometimes what I do is I mix my moisturizer with my sunscreen and I just put it on in one shot. I know not exactly necessarily the right thing to do. I mean, I just wonder, is it really the right thing versus the wrong thing? That's just what I do folks. Okay. So do what your doctor tells you. I'm not your doctor. And if I am, and you're listening to this, do what I tell you to do. <laughs> okay. Last tip. Frankly, if you notice any new skin changes, really see your doctor. And skin changes, I'm referring to if you have a mole or if you have a you know redness or a scratch or a thing or a nodule that just won't go away, please see your doctor, okay? This is my summary of what you need to know to keep glowing safely, effectively, and beautifully. And as such, this concludes this episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab Podcast. As always, stay beautiful and forever fabulous inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's Forever Fab podcast episode of 15 Minutes of Fab. Until next time, live well, prosper, and stay beautiful inside and out and stay wherever fab. If you like this episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast, please share it and subscribe to the feed. Did you learn anything new? Review this episode by writing just one word to describe the value you got from listening today and give this episode a five-star rating. In case you missed it, listen to this episode, past episodes, or check out who's coming up next on foreverfabpodcast.com. If you enjoy listening to the Forever Fab Podcast, get more audio and more visuals with a membership through Patreon. Choose the gold, platinum, or diamond tier for premium added content, special co-hosts, lifestyle videos, branded merchandise, and more by visiting patreon.com slash foreverfab. And if you are a founder of or represent a beauty or wellness brand, and you want to be featured on an episode of Forever Fab pod podcast segment of 15 Minutes of Fab, send me some stuff. Visit foreverfabpodcast.com and fill out the contact form. For general holistic beauty tips or to get set up an appointment with me to discuss your personalized options for leveling up your beauty, go to elementsandgraces.com and sign up for my newsletter. And for an online e-consultation on time, anytime, and on your time, visit clicklift.com for your wellness, plastic surgery, and beauty questions on the go. And it's time for the elevated house call, wouldn't you say? Jet Set Beauty RX offers beauty on-call services near your home or other domicile, delivering beauty in the privacy of a medically equipped, state-of-the-art mobile aesthetics unit. Reserve at JetSetBeautyRx.com. That's all for now. Thank you for sharing the love. Goodbye, gorgeous. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, 
and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.